Welcome to the first SDA podcast. We are glad that you have chosen to spend your time listening to this program, and we know that you will be blessed in the process. We pray as you listen to the message today that you will be inspired, empowered, and renewed to have a closer walk with God. you're thankful for God's grace, just put your hands together and just give God an ovation of praise. If you want to stand up on your feet and praise him for his amazing grace, we give you permission to do that. We believe his grace warrants such adoration, such praise, and such gratitude from the hearts of those that have been redeemed. And so we thank God that his grace is still amazing and it still is powerful to overcome all of our sins. Let the redeemed of the Lord say amen today. We thank uh, sister and minister uh, Tam Bodie and Jeremy Kelsey for being great stewards of the gifts that God has entrusted to them. We thank for our God that he has, they lend themselves unto the Lord. They give themselves to the Lord's service to use their gifts for his glory and honor. And so if you don't mind, just give Jeremy and Tamara just a virtual amen right there in the chat. Not sure if they're watching, but we just want you to want them to know that we appreciate their ministry and all that they do to help further the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then before we shift, I do want to just say a word of appreciation for our community service team. Uh, Today we had another one of our grocery giveaways. Now I know that that kind of agitates some of us that Jesus said, though, Jesus said it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And so we are thankful that they are willing to come out early on Sabbath mornings and uh, many hours during the week uh, to kind of feed and to supply the immediate needs of a financially distressed community. And so we thank God for our community service team and we pray God's richest blessings upon you. Uh, Jesus made it clear that what you've done unto my people, you do it also unto me. And so we want you to know that God is going to richly bless you. And so I do want to just say a quick word of welcome to our Fairfield SDA Church uh, in Northern California. They are in between pastors. And while they're in between pastors, they just made it up in their mind that they're just going to join us in worship from week to week. And so we give a virtual welcome to you. Thank God for you, Brother Woody, and for your dedication to God's cause. Um, And what I want to do real quick for those who are on Facebook and on YouTube, do me a favor. Just be an electronic evangelist. Be a digital disciple. Just like shit. Just push the share button so that this message can be connected with somebody, tag somebody that needs to be encouraged today so that they can receive God's word as well. So right now, right now, before we open up the scriptures, do me a favor, just share the message, uh, tag somebody in the message so that they can receive what it is that God wants to say to them today. Uh, And before we do that, I do want to just say a special word of appreciation to our prayer ministry team. And I want to say to the First Church family, we thank God for you. We're so proud of you for participating with us in these 15 days of prayer and fasting. We've been committing ourselves to some specific spiritual disciplines. And I want to encourage you, you don't celebrate the end of the fast by going completely in the opposite direction. There there ought to be some things, there ought to be some carryover. That was a catalyst to kind of push us excuse me, in a certain direction. And so we want to encourage you to hold on to the things that you've received uh, so that you can continue to receive the blessings that you have been receiving. And so what we want to do real quickly is we want to go ahead and uh, make our almost home covenant statement that should be coming up there on your screen. And we're going to say that. We want to encourage you to say it out loud along with those of us who are in the house of the Lord today. I invite you to stand to your feet as we make our covenant statement this morning. As we make our covenant statement together, let's uh, let's say it as a family. I know I can't hear you, but I believe you're declaring it with me in faith. Today, I make my decision about eternity permanent. I consciously choose the eternal over the temporary. I select the narrow way and reject the broad road. My body may be on earth, but my mind is in heaven. My loyalty is in heaven. My investments are in heaven and my love is for heaven. Today, I put those things from the past behind. I reach forward to those things that are ahead. 
I refuse to quit. I refuse to get tired. I will not be weary, defeated, discouraged, distracted, or deceived. I've got too much to lose and even more to gain. My mind is made up. I won't turn back. I'm clothed with determination. I'm closer than I've ever been. Thank God Almighty that I'm almost home. Right there in your living room, just give somebody a little fist pound and let them know we're almost home. Amen and amen. I want to invite you this morning to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of St. John, chapter 14. St. John chapter 14, and we'll begin together at verse number one. A very familiar story to many who have been in the way for some time. John 14 and verse number one. <coughs> John chapter 14 and verse number one. John chapter 14 and verse one, and Jesus now speaking to his disciples, says these words, John 14, and I'm going to actually read verses 1 through 6. Jesus says this, Let not your heart be troubled. That's the word right there. This is the word to the body. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said unto him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Again, I'm going to read for emphasis verse number one, just this first clause. And I should probably warn you, we're not going to get through it all today. We're going to have some leftovers for next week. But this is just what he says in verse number one. He says, let not your heart be troubled. Today, saints, I want to talk to you for a little while under the subject, heart attacks heart attacks let's uh let's pray together today father we come before you boldly because that's the way you invite us to come and father we're praying that you would just give us a word that gives us peace in the midst of uncertainty that gives us stability in the midst of upheaval that allows us to maintain our hold upon you so, Lord, it is my prayer once again that our faith will be multiplied exponentially in the hearing of the word. So, Lord, I ask that you would hide me in the shadows of the cross, that Jesus alone might be seen, that Christ alone would be heard. And at the end of our time together, may Jesus alone be praised. We ask this in the name of him who is altogether lovely. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Let God's people say together, amen and amen. You may be seated there in your home or here in the house of the Lord. Again, we're talking under the subject heart attacks. It's interesting, saints. In Ecclesiastes chapter 1, <coughs> Solomon tells us that there is nothing new under the sun. He says, what has been will be again. And essentially he is teaching that for us, there is nothing new in content or in substance. The only thing that we see that's new is actually the packaging. So young people, there are no new temptations. Old temptations just get new packaging. Pandemics are not new. COVID is just the latest package. White supremacy or nationalism is not a new thing. What we're seeing is just the latest package for it. Financial stress is not a new thing. There is just a new bill collector or creditor's name on the envelope in your mailbox. 
In fact, Donald Trump is not something new. He is just a newer version of Nebuchadnezzar, George Wallace, and Adolf Hitler. So anything that is present that brings us stress, you can find a strain or remnant of it if you just look back in the past. And it is why Ellen White says to us that we have nothing to fear for the future, lest we forget the way in which God has led us in the past. So we don't have to be troubled by what's coming. We don't have to be troubled by what's happening unless we forget what God has already made happen. And if you're like me, there are times when you look back over your life and you look at the things that have caused you trouble and you look at the things that have caused you worry, you're actually a little bit embarrassed that you worried so much about certain things. In fact, when you look back on it, you actually have a little bit of shame because you realize in hindsight that God had it under control the entire time. I remember as a student, I worried whether or not I would financially clear, but when I look back on it, I see where God already had the provision made. I remember there was a time where I worried if I would find the right partner or spouse, but when I look back, I can see where God was ordering each and every one of my steps. There were times where I worried about the bills, but when I look back, I can see how God had made the provision in advance. There were times where I worried about health issues for me or my kids, but when I look back on it, I see how God had already created a way of escape. There were times where I worried about enemies, but when I look, I can see the weapons were formed, but they were never going to prosper. I can look back and recall where I was worried about work situations, but now I realize that God God even used those things to build my character. And is there anybody like me that when you look back on certain former worries or anxieties, you do so with a little regret because you realize that all of that worry was a bad investment because those worries brought you no return. And there are some of us that are somewhat embarrassed that you put so much worry into this or to that or to them because you realize that that worry was not warranted in the light of God's faithfulness but here is our inconsistency because we see past worry as trivial and present worry as justified we are embarrassed by our past worry but we make provision for our current worry as if our current worry is greater than the God who did it in the past and this beloved is a needed conversation because we are in a season where many stressors are trying to attack the tranquility of the heart. The fact is that there are some of us that are troubled by the bills we have. Some of us are troubled about what will happen after the inauguration. Some of us are troubled by what disease or sickness may come upon us. Some of us are troubled because there is a lack of provision. Some of us are troubled because there is a lack of employment. Some of us are troubled because there is a lack of civility. Some of us are troubled because there's a lack of security. Some of us are troubled because there is a lack of justice. Some of us have hearts that are troubled while God is on the other side saying, let not your heart be troubled. And can I pause to say this to the saints, that one of Satan's greatest weapons against you in a time like this is your forgetfulness. Remember Solomon said that there is nothing new under the sun. So everything that we face is just a newer version of something that God has already kept you through in the past. 
In other words, are there any older saints that can testify that we've seen racial tensions that were even greater than these, but yet God has brought us every step of the way? Is there anybody that can remember the recession in 2007 and 2008 when the economy crashed and the uh, housing market went into foreclosure, yet God took care of us and the righteous were never forsaken or their seed begging after bread? And anybody old enough to remember SARS, Ebola, measles, mumps, and chicken pox, and yet the Lord has enabled us to make it to this current season. And I have a sneaky suspicion that if somebody was to look back over their lives, you would see that God is able to make a way out of no way, and that God still comes through right on time. Is there anybody that can look back on it, and you see where God paid the tuition when they were in third grade and now you know he can still pay it now that they're in seventh grade when you look back on it you can see where God allowed you to walk away from some car wrecks and if he can keep you from dangers that you can see he can keep you from dangers that you cannot see if you just look back over your life and look at where God has brought you from I believe that while you wait for Sabbath dinner there can be some thanksgiving in your living room there can be some rejoicing in your prayer room now there's somebody that's watching this message and gritting their teeth and saying pastor how can you say we ought to be thankful in a season like this how can we rejoice in a season like this. I need you to know you can always be thankful if you're thoughtful. You can always have rejoicing if there is reflecting. You see, you got to remember what Jeremiah said in the book of Lamentations when he opened up his eyes and Jerusalem was destroyed and his people were dispersed and everything around him was all despair. He got to a point where he didn't even want to preach the word of God anymore, but he got to a place where he says, this I recall to mind and therefore I have hope. It is because of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. His compassions fail not. They are new every morning and he lifts up both of his hands and says, great is thy faithfulness. In other words, there can be no thankgiving if there is no thoughtfulness. There can be no rejoicing if there is no reflection. It's why the psalm says, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me. My soul cries hallelujah. Thank God for saving a wretch like me. It's like the song says, when I look around and I think things over, all my good days, I weigh my bad days, and as a result, I will not complain. And what I want to say to somebody in the midst of all your earthly despair is you need to take some time in reflection. Take some time in thoughtfulness. Look at where God has brought you from, and it'll give you the confidence to know he'll keep you for where you're going. Can the church say amen today? And so do me a favor, saints, go back with me in your Bibles. Go with me, if you don't mind, to uh, John chapter 13. And we're going to skip down to here to verse number 37. John chapter 13 and verse number 37. When you get there, let me hear you say amen. John chapter 13 and verse 37. The Bible says here specifically, Peter says unto him, Lord, why can't I, why uh, can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. And Jesus answered unto him, will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say unto you that the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. And in verse 1 of verse 14, he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. Now, beloved, I need y'all to get that this little brief pericope teaches us some important lessons about the power of faith and the salvation narrative. But the first thing it teaches us, beloved, is that God starts preparing a place even before you are prepared. Okay, let, 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 me, let me say it again. 
that, that God is preparing a place even before you get prepared. Now, I need you to get what is happening here. Jesus is at the Last Supper with his disciples. And what he does is he begins to pull them aside and he needs to reinforce certain truths in their minds. He has to let them know that he is going to be crucified, that there will be a resurrection, and that inevitably he's going to have to ascend to go back to glory. And anticipating their distraughtness or discouragement, he shares these words that have uplifted generations since he left. He says, I've got to go, but let not your heart be troubled. He says, if you believe in God, you've got to believe also in me. He says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He says, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. Now, I need you to understand that the promise that he's preparing a place is alone enough to shout. But as a sinner, when I look at it in its context, it takes my rejoicing to a whole nother level. You see, saints, this promise is not just to those who are already prepared. Jesus makes this promise to those who are works in progress. Are y'all with me today, saints? Now, see, the reason we don't get it and the reason you're not yet rejoicing is because we always read John 14 in a vacuum. What we do is we divorce it from the context of chapter 13. Now, when you go back and read chapter 13, one of the things that we find is that Jesus is at the Last Supper. And in this supper, what he does is he foretells of the betrayal of Judas, and he also predicts the denial of Peter. And in chapter 13 and verse 33... Jesus is like, listen, I'm not going to be with you much longer. I'm going to have to go, and you're not going to be able to go with me. And then your boy Peter begins to speak up. He's just like, Lord, why can't I go with you? He says, Lord, I'm willing to lay down my life for you. And there in verse 38, the Bible says, Jesus speaking says, the cock or the rooster will not crow before you have denied me three times. So the last statement he makes in chapter 13 is that Peter is going to deny him. The last statement he makes is a prediction of Peter's failure. The last thing he says in chapter 13 is that Peter is going to walk away from me. But note that chapter 14 is not the beginning of a new conversation. It is a continuation of the same dialogue. In the same breath, Jesus goes from saying, you're going to deny me, to saying that even though you're going to deny me, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. Oh, God. Jesus says, while you're denying me, I'm still preparing a place for you. And see, I don't know if we're able to understand the amazing grace of God because what Jesus is saying is that while you are unprepared, I'm still preparing for your arrival. Are y'all hearing me today? And see, God is saying to Peter and to us, he's saying, listen, I already know what you're going to do. And yet I've prepared a place for you. In other words, your spiritual failures won't make me change my mind. Your mess ups won't make me change my mind. Your inconsistency won't make me change my mind. Is there anybody getting the epic nature of this? Peter is not disqualified. He's not cut out. He is not shunned. Even in the midst of predicted denial, he is still counted as belonging to the Savior. And it shows us something about those who are lost, is that the lost are lost through rejection, not because they didn't pass inspection. Oh Lord, is it me? In other words, the lost are lost because of rejection, not because they didn't pass inspection. And watch this, saints. See, there are some of us that only shout 
because they like the fact that God loves us despite what we've done in the past. But do you realize that God doesn't just love you despite what you have done? God loves you despite what you will do. Oh God. Do you realize that the shadow of the cross doesn't just reach all the way back to your first sin, but the shadow of the cross reaches forward to cover your last sin. Oh God, let, let, let me say it again, that the shadow of the cross doesn't just go back to your first sin, but it goes all the way forward to cover your final sin. And see, sometimes, beloved, we don't realize how unconditional the love of God is. And see, that's why some of us will not really commit to Jesus. It's why some sit through appeals and they won't get baptized and they won't say yes to Jesus. And the reason they are afraid to do that is that they are scared that they may mess up sometime in the future. They have fear that I won't always be able to get it right going forward. But what I need somebody to know is that if the Holy Spirit is appealing to you, it's not because God has just accepted your past. It's because God has made grace provision for everything you're going to do in the future. In other words, you don't have to be afraid of what God is going to think when you mess up. Because God has already anticipated your mess ups. And he has supplied a sufficient amount of grace. Not just for your past, but also for your future. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? And see, see, let, let me just, let, can, ah, can, can we just rejoice on something real quick? You know what makes God's love so powerful? What makes God's love powerful is that there is no ignorance in God's love. See, what makes his love truly unconditional is that God is not unaware of anything about us. You see, there, there's a big love difference between love and infatuation. You see, the difference between love and infatuation is that infatuation is so blinded by lust that it can't see the traits of a person and it's surprised once infatuation shows up by what they've actually attached themselves to. But love is very much different. Love is informed. It sees the good and the bad, and it makes a decision to give that person their affection. Now, I need y'all to understand that even the married folk in this room, even though we say we have unconditional love, I don't even know if we love like God did. Because the truth is, some of us don't have unconditional love we just didn't find out certain things until after we said, I do. In other words, you didn't see certain things coming. You just had to make your peace with it. Oh, Lord, y'all got quiet on me here. In, in other words, I need you to understand that if we had full knowledge of who they were going to be 10 years after you said, I do, and 30 years after you said, I do, and he still wouldn't have no job, and she really meant it when she said, I don't cook, and, and you realize that it wasn't going to never change, you might have made a different decision. Because there was some ignorance even in your love. But do you realize that there is no ignorance in the love of God? He is not caught off guard by anything that you do. He is not surprised by anything mistake that you made. In other words, God saw where you were. He saw every mistake. He saw every misstep. He saw that you were going to curse. He knew you were going to drink. He knew you were going to fall short. But God said, I'll take you anyhow because there is no ignorance in the love of God. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? And see, what Jesus does here, he doesn't just predict Peter's fall. He also predicts Peter's redemption. Now, there are some of us who, who think, well, Pastor, you're going a little far. That's kind of, that's kind of uh, affirming presumptive sin. No, 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 no. I'm not affirming presumption. I'm extolling God's redeeming power. So that this is the thing I need somebody to get. Do you realize that when God looks at you, <laughs> 
that God doesn't see you as you are. God looks and functions with you in the context of what you shall become. Let, let me say it again. See, see, God is not about analysis. God is about projection. <laughs> see, see, God doesn't look at you where you are. God deals with you as what you shall become. So, so notice the trend in scripture that when God is about to do something in somebody's life, he does not show up and function in the context of where they are. He talks and interacts with them based on what they shall become. Okay, so, so go to the book of Judges. Look at your boy Gideon. Uh, when God, the angel shows up to Gideon, you realize that your boy Gideon is a straight coward. Your boy Gideon is so scared that he is in a wine press threshing wheat because he don't want nobody to even know he is there. In fact, Gideon describes himself as the weakest man from the weakest clan. But guess what? When the angel shows up, he doesn't show up and call him as Gideon calls himself. He refers to Gideon as mighty man of valor. In other words, he doesn't call him what he is. God calls him what he shall become. When you go back to the book of Genesis, uh, Sarah's initial name was Sarai, which means one who strives or contends. But before she even had a baby, God said, I'm going to change your name to Sarah, which means mother of many nations. He doesn't call her what she is. He calls her what she shall become. Even before Jacob reconciled with Esau, the angel says, you shall no longer be called Jacob or supplanter. I'm going to call your name Israel, which means Prince of the Most High God. You realize that even Simon, he says, I'm going to change your name to Peter, which means stone or rock, when there was nothing stony or rocky about his faith. And he says, I'm going to call it in advance. I'm not going to deal with where you are. I'm going to project forward, not just analyze the present. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And say, I need somebody to understand that God doesn't just deal with you where you are. God functions based on what you shall become. Y'all realize, oh, that that's all justification is. Justification is simply where you are declared righteous, even though you're clearly unrighteous. So what happens is Jesus then projects through justification. But guess what? He don't stop at justification. He takes you through sanctification so that what he declares in heaven, he takes you through a process so it's done on earth so that what's in heaven is not a lie. It just foreshadows what shall come to pass. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? And see, the thing I want to say to somebody, the reason we don't grow is we focus more on where we are more than we focus on where we're going. We focus more on what we've done, more than we focus on what we shall become. We focus more on where we have been, more than we focus on our eternal destiny. We focus more on what was, more than we focus on what shall be. And I guess what I'm saying to us, beloved, that you'll never grow as long as you're focusing on your present. You won't grow until you focus on your future. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? It's crazy. I was watching um, uh, this, this podcast the other day, and it was about working out. And this guy was talking about his journey to kind of building his body and losing weight. And he says, one of the things I did, he said, I took a before picture of kind of how I look now. But then he says, I, I, took, a young, I took a picture of my younger self. He says, when I was thin and in shape. And he says, I had both pictures, but he says, I took the before picture and I put it in the drawer. And, and I saw my gold picture and I put that on the mirror. And, and it's crazy because he didn't look at how he was currently looking. He was focusing on what he was going to become. Now his child came to him and he said, listen, why are you focusing so much on what you're going to become? Because he says, when I know what I'm going to become, it shows me what I've got to do right now. Oh God. In other words, in order for me to be that, then I can't eat this. In order for me to get there, I can't do that. In order for me to get to this point, I can't stop at that point. In other words, my destination determines my direction. 
So he said, the son said, well, if you are not going to focus on the before picture, why did you even take it? He says, the reason I took the before picture is so that when I get where I want to be, I'll have it as a point of reference for the celebration that is to come. See, somebody needs a before picture to let me a reminder that God has brought you a mighty, mighty, mighty long way. But you got to focus on what you shall be. Because if I'm going to have faith, then I can't hang out with faithless people. If I'm going to be holy, I can't do unholy things. Where I'm going is going to determine my direction. But I'm not focusing on where I am. I'm focusing on what God has for me. Can the church say amen? So the word of God says, listen, I ain't going to get all the way through this thing. Y'all got to come on back next week. So in John 14, 1, this is what Jesus says. And this blows my mind. This is going to encourage somebody today. <laughs> Jesus says, saints, I need you to look at it, especially in the context. He says, let not your heart be troubled. Now I'm going to tell you something that is very simple and basic, but I pray that you hold it as an axiom. Jesus will never give you a command that he doesn't make provision for you to keep. Let, let me say it again. That he'll never give you a command that, that he doesn't give you provision in order to keep it. So, so, so when Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled, you realize he says that while describing a troubling situation. Like Jesus in this Last Supper is describing scenes of, of upheaval and, and instability, of terror for the disciples. Listen, as he lays out this conversation, when you mix this together with John 13 and Matthew 26, he makes it very clear. He says, listen, one of y'all is going to betray me. Another one of you is going to deny me. He lets them know that you're going to be persecuted because you decided to follow me. You're going to be in prison because you decided to follow me. Follow me. You're going to be disliked because you decided to follow me. And by the way, I'm going to leave y'all by yourselves to handle it all. And notice what he says. I don't want your hearts to be troubled, even though I'm describing trouble. He, he said, I'm telling you trouble is coming, but I don't want you to be troubled. And what he is communicating, saints, is the amazing benefit of what it means to live a life of faith. What he's saying is that what's happening around you should not dictate what's happening in you. Let, let me say it again. What is happening around you should not dictate what's happening inside of you. In other words, for the believer, what is happening inside of you should not mirror or reflect what is happening outside of you. In other words, if Jesus is saying, don't let your heart be troubled, it is because God has a power that is accessible to us that can keep our hearts calm when everybody else's soul is disquieted. And I say this because there are many of us right now in this season that are dealing with a bunch of different type of heart attacks where stresses are attacking the tranquility of your heart where worry is attacking the tranquility of your heart where heaviness is attacking the tranquility of your heart where, where, where grief is attacking the tranquility of your heart and, and you got all of these things attacking the tranquility of your heart but Jesus is saying don't be troubled because he is making available to us a power that allows us to have peace in the midst of every storm we are facing now watch this sense to be clear when Jesus says don't let your heart be troubled I want you to make sure you understand the right foundation for it he's not saying don't let he he's not saying don't be troubled because you're almost home Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled, knowing that in 2021, we would still be waiting for him to come. He says, let not your heart be troubled, not because you're coming out of the end of it. He says, don't be troubled knowing you're about to go into it. 
so that their assurance or peace can't be based upon an imminent rescue from trouble. That their peace has to be a reflection of who they believe God to be. So Jesus says, <laughs> let not your heart be troubled. Now I need you to get this, saints. This is not a call to indifference. This is not Jesus saying, just pretend like you don't see bad stuff happening. This is not Jesus saying, stick your head in the sand. See, I need you to understand that real faith is not a denial of reality. Real faith is simply saying, I am going to prioritize God's word above the reality. So I want you to notice, so Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Now that word trouble in the Greek is a word terasso, which is only used twice in the scripture here in John 14. That word terasso means to be shaken back and forth. It literally means two other things, to have dread. Watch this, saints. It means to have dread because of what you anticipate. It means to lose the ability to be stable or settled. So when Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled, he is not talking about every now and then when you get ir irritated. He's not talking about those days when you're in a bad mood. He is not talking about how you respond when something catches you out of, off uh, uh, by surprise. What he is talking about is a perpetual state of being because of what you see. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? And I want to focus on two of these definitions of trouble. First, I want to talk about for a minute the dread that we have because of what we anticipate. See, there are some of us that, that are troubled and shaken not because of what is. There are some of us that are shaken up because we have so much fear and dread of what may or may not come to pass. Now, it's crazy because, see, there are some of us in a situation where it has hit the fan, where stuff has popped off on your life. There are a number of things, but then there are some of us that have a paralyzed faith because we are troubled through anticipation. You are having a heart attack simply because you're dreading what has not even come to pass. There are some of us who are experiencing heart attack because we dread enemies that we think have power over us. Some of us live in fear because we are dreading uh, the potential loss of a job. It's amazing how there's some young people that dread being alone forever, even though you ain't but 27 years old. There's some of us that dread or have worry about the loss of a job you still have. Some of us have dread because you're anticipating the loss of a marriage that's still intact. There's some of us that have dread because because we're so worried about contracting COVID. We are weighed down in anticipation of things not going right. We're weighed down in anticipation of Joe Biden's failures. We're weighed down because we have heaviness of things that have not even come to pass. And see, I, and I can see this. This is why Jesus says, beloved, take no thought for tomorrow. Help me, Holy Spirit. Jesus says, don't take no thought for tomorrow because sufficient is the trouble of today. And I just need to know, do I have at least four or five witnesses out there that realize I can't be stressing about what may be. I can't stress about two weeks from now. I can't worry about next year. I got too much stuff on my plate right now to even be worried about what's going on down the line. Are y'all hearing saints? In other words, I got too many actual problems to compound it with anticipated problems. Are y'all with me today, saints? And see, one of the ways we keep our hearts from being troubled, number one, is you've got to learn how to live for today. Do you realize, beloved, that one of the themes of Scripture is just learning how to live and trust God one single day at a time? Are y'all hearing me, saints? Do you realize that when you look in the Old Testament... 
whenever God uh, fed the children of Israel with manna, you realize that God did not give them five days of portion uh, on one day. He would feed them one day at a time. And the only day he gave them extra was on the Sabbath so that they could rest in him and not have to gather. You realize that in the Lord's prayer, Jesus taught his disciples. He said, pray, give us this day our daily bread. In fact, even when you look at the apostle James, he says, listen, don't be talking about what you're going to do next week, next year, what business you're going to go handle because all you've got promise is today. And I guess what I'm saying to today, saints, is because anticipated problems will keep you from praising God today. See, God oh, has promised to meet your needs on a day-to-day basis. And see, I need y'all to understand something, that if you spend so much time anticipating the future, it'll keep you from seeing how God is fulfilling his promises today. Now, let me tell you something about the future. See, I need you to understand that the future is impatient. See, the, the future is nervous. The future gets anxious. The future worries because they don't know how God is going to do it. The future doesn't know how God is going to bring it to pass. And when the future gets nervous about the future, he'll start trying to borrow joy from the present. Oh, God. And what I'm saying to somebody today is don't let tomorrow borrow joy from today. Don't let next week borrow peace from this week. Don't let next year borrow joy from this year. In other words, you ain't got to lend nothing to the future. Let the future know that God has enough joy for you on tomorrow. God has enough peace for you next week. God has enough provision in next year. In other words, don't reach back and borrow none of my peace today. None of my joy today. Because God has enough. To supply for every season you're in. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? What I need somebody to understand is that God has already... See, some of y'all worry about what God is going to do tomorrow. So much so that you can't praise him for what he's doing right now. And matter of fact, can I get some folk to join with me? That if you ate breakfast this morning and dinner is warming up on the stove, it's because God already kept this promise today. In other words, if you slept inside and not outside in the snow. It's because God already kept this promise today. If the lights are on in the house, even though the bill is past due, it's because God has kept this promise today. Guess what? He may, there may be a time where you lose your job, but maybe you ought to just thank God that you're employed today. There may be a day where you get COVID, cancer, or lupus, but if you've got your health, maybe you ought to thank God for the portion you have today. There may be a day where your parents get sick and die, but if they are still here, why don't you just love on them today? It is why the Bible says, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it from the rising of the sun. To the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. That's why I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. There is somebody who is being stingy with praise. But guess what? If there are clothes on your back today, you better praise him. If you know where your kids are today, you better praise him. If you can inhale and exhale today, you better praise him. If you've got clapping in your hands, praise him. If you've got running in your feet, praise him. If you've got volume in your mouth, praise him. That's why the Bible says, let everything that has breath praise the name of the Lord because he's been faithful this day. Are y'all hearing the word today, saints? Listen, 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 I need you to know I'm almost done. Listen, got to come on back. We got some more leftovers next week. But, but let me say this. The other term for the word troubled 
it is, it is to shake something or put it in motion so violently that it never stops shaking. It is the inability to be still or be stable. And again, like I said, this is not the same thing as just being a little bit bothered. But I'm talking to some of us who are just in, who, who, whose faith is constantly vibrating. I'm talking about that person who your mind is always in flux. I'm talking about that person that, that like you ain't even got the ability to be still. In other words, you, you are like a leaf that is just tossed by every wind of circumstance that blows in your life. And what I'm saying to somebody, beloved, that the journey of faith, see, this is what faith is. Faith does not make you exempt from trouble. But faith gets you to a place where you're not moved by trouble. In other words, God wants to get you to a place where, where maturity is this. It's not where I just pray, Lord, don't let it hit me. It's where I pray, Lord, give me the strength so that even when it hits me, I'm still standing. And see, see, I need you to understand that, that the, the witness of the Christian believer is not that I don't ever get hit. It, it, the, the witness of the faith is that when I get hit on my left cheek, and then again on my right cheek and when I get punched in my gut and when the devil hits me with an uppercut and he tries to suplex me it's when he's thrown everything at me in short order I'm able to stand with my head held high and my chest out and my back straight and my feet planted on solid ground because I am founded on the rock that is Christ Jesus are y'all hearing me today saints and see one of the things I want to say to us beloved is that you can have peace no matter what the circumstance. Go real quick, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. I'm almost done. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 6. Philippians 4 and verse 6, the word of God says to us this. The Bible says and gives us the command. Remember, God never gives a command if he doesn't give you provision to make that command become a reality. He says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Did y'all catch that, saints? God says, don't be anxious. Oh, Holy Spirit. He says, don't be anxious about. He says, don't be don't be anxious about anything. Oh, saints. He said, don't be anxious about your bill. Don't be anxious about your doctor's visit. Don't be anxious about what's going to happen on inauguration day. Don't be anxious about the present. Don't be anxious about the future. He says, like, when you make your request known unto God, the peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind through Christ Jesus. Watch this. Now he says, when you make your request known unto God, does it say everything changes right away? Does prayer make all of the bills be paid instantly? Does it make all of the enemies your footstool right away? Does prayer make the cancer go directly into remission? So that before prayer changes things, the first thing prayer changes is us. So the one thing that is granted automatically when I pray is that the eruption in my soul is quieted as I find a perfect peace that the world can't even understand. So that when the world is looking at you, after you've gone through what you've gone through, see, see the problem is that see, we ain't got no witness because there's not enough amazement because our responses are what the world predicts they should be. In other words, we're responding just like somebody who doesn't know the Lord. But see, they don't really get to see peace modeled because we're not calling on the name of the Lord. In other words, you get to a place where you are praising when you should be complaining and you're trusting when you are to be a traitor to the cross. In other words, they don't realize that the benefit is not that you get to sidestep what they get to go through, but you go through the same things that they go through, but you come out with your faith intact on the other side. Are y'all hearing the word today? Isaiah 26 and verse number 3. Isaiah chapter 26 
and verse number three, word of God gives us a very uh, powerful promise. Isaiah 26, verse number three, where it says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever for Yah, the Lord is everlasting strength. Listen, I just need you to know we got to get to a place for our folks where, where when we're in distressing times, we've got to focus on God more than we focus on the problem. Are y'all hearing the word of God today, sex? See, see, I need you to understand that peace is twofold. It's a matter of how much you pray and what you choose to focus on. And the, and the issue for some is that we're focusing on the issue more than we focus on God. And see, what I'm saying is that we've got to get to that place where we discipline ourselves to fix our minds on Jesus. And when you fix your mind on God, guess what? And you fix, uh, get a sense of how big your God is. What becomes clear is how tiny and how small your challenges are in the light of how great your God is. Listen, I've shared with you guys before. I remember when Jaden, uh, he's uh, almost 11 now. I remember when he was a little baby. When we would go out of town to hotels or sometimes to my parents' house, what would happen is he would get so overstimulated by being in a different resting environment that he could not hardly go to sleep. And y'all know that got little kids that when, when the kids can't go to sleep, that thing is rough because the parents can't go to sleep. And I remember there'd be times where he'd be laying on his back in his bassinet in a foreign place and he would be looking around at the different paint colors and looking around at the different fixtures and looking around at the different light settings and what was happening he'd be looking around so much that he would not be able to go to sleep and what we learned how to do after a while is I would just hold him right here in the cradle of my arm and what I would do is I would palm the back of his head so that he was not able to look around all he could do is look into the face of his daddy and, and when he couldn't look around at everything and all he could do was look at me. All of a sudden, those big watery eyes would just begin to close and fall asleep. And what I'm saying to somebody is stop looking around at everything that's happening. Stop looking around at all your bills. Stop looking around at the white supremacists. Stop looking around at all your enemies. Stop looking around at Donald Trump. Stop looking around at Capitol Hill. Stop looking around at all your creditors. Stop looking around at all your doctor's report. And cast your eyes on Jesus. And when you fix your eyes on him, then you'll find rest, sweet rest for your soul. Is there anybody that believes God's word today that knows that we don't have to be troubled? Our hearts, peace does not have to be attacked because of God said for me not to be troubled. It's because God has made the power available for me to be able to have peace in the midst of everything that is happening in my world. To God be the glory. And see, my question for somebody as you sit at home today, it's not, is it well with your money? It's not, is it well with your career? It's not even, is it well with your friendships? See, all of that is outer. The question is, is it well with your soul and see God's message to us today is simply this that God said let not your heart be troubled so I need you to know we hadn't even got to heaven yet we hadn't even got to the mansions God said that to the disciples knowing that they were not coming out he said that knowing that they were just about to go into it he makes this statement not based upon the fact that they about to escape it he says, your heart, not, heart ought not be troubled based on who I am in your life. And what I'm saying to somebody today, and God's word is simply this, like, you know, it, it, ain't, it ain't just like this great reformation, but like God is saying, you got too much dread in your life. You, you literally are weighed by, down by what Paul calls imaginations. You, you worried about things that may or may not even happen. And what I'm saying to us, beloved, is we got too much on our plates today to be worried about what may happen, what may not happen. Like, listen, if you just learn how to, even though you have a vision for your life, let me be clear, you have a vision for your life, but you got to learn how to live one day at a time, how to be present. 
and see God's goodness from moment to moment and experience to experience. Like again, if everything you need has been provided today, guess what? God has kept this promise to you. He's kept this promise. God is saying to somebody, you, you, you've got to learn how to focus on him more than you focus on the problem. Again, you, 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 you look at it and the situation and them and you, you fix your eyes on them and you're always looking around and that's why you're disquieted, that's why you can't rest, that's why you can't sleep at night because you, you, your attention span is everywhere except on God. But God said, is if, if you make your request known unto me, I'll give you peace that passes all understanding to guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Listen again, I ain't going in front. I don't even know if this sermon was for you. But I'm just giving, I'm just preaching out loud what God gave to me. There have been some things in my inner world colliding with what is happening in the culture. And I ain't gonna lie, I just, I've been tripping. <laughs> but God used these 15 days of prayer and fasting, especially our fast days, so that I can get centered and I can be reminded to stop looking at the issues and look to the hills from which cometh my help. I realize that my help comes from the Lord. I need y'all to know we, we almost home. We almost home. I'm, I'm going to talk about that some more. But I need you to know that God is our refuge and our strength and a very present help in the time of trouble. There's somebody at home that's listening to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you want to make a decision for God. You know you've been putting this off and saying tomorrow and later and down the line. You know you need to say yes to Jesus Christ. You know that you need to be baptized for the remission of your sins. But one of the things that has kept you and anchored you from making that decision is you kind of worried, well, Lord, can I do it? Can I live right going forward? Can I, can I live out whatever it is I'm committing to? And it's actually fear about whether or not you can perform well in the future that keeps you from making that needed decision. But see, I need you to understand that what God showed us about Peter is this is that even while Peter was unprepared, Jesus said, I'm still preparing a place for you. My grace does not just go back to your first sin, but it extends all the way to your last sin. He said, if I'm appealing to you, there is no ignorance in me. I know exactly who you are. I know exactly where you'll misstep, but I still want you anyhow. There is no ignorance in God's love. He knows it. Listen, you realize that even when you confess your sins, that's just a way of getting the burden off you. You ain't informing God of nothing he don't already know. He knows everything. He sees all. And yet he still desires a love relationship with you. So today you're hearing the word of God. You're in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You want to respond appropriately. If you're in here in Huntsville or the greater Tennessee Valley, you want to make it up in your mind and say, I want to be baptized. I want to be in one of the next baptisms at First Church. Or I want to begin studying the Bible uh, with some help or assistance so I can get made ready and prepared for one of the next baptisms. You can do one of two things. Email us at prayer at firstsdachurch.com. Prayer at firstsdachurch.com. Or if you're on Facebook or YouTube, right now there is a link coming up in the comments called Type Form. You can just click on that link and you can make your decision known and by Tuesday of this week somebody will be getting in contact with you so we can begin studying the word and begin moving in a direction that culminates in eternal life and I just want to say to somebody today if you hear his voice harden not your heart and it's crazy because like we will receive worry from the future stress from the future anxiety from the future so much so that it clouds us of God's goodness today but it's crazy how we won't just make that simple decision today to say, I accept Jesus. I make Jesus my choice. Would you say yes? And maybe you're in another city, another state, another country. You can email us just the same. And as we said earlier in the service, we'll get you connected with a church, a pastor, somebody that can help you grow in your relationship with God, that can help you get built up in your faith. Right now we're praying, Father, in, in heaven. Before we pray for financial wellness, because we know you got that. Before we pray for medical wellness, because we know you got that too. Before we even pray for relational wellness, that's under your purview as well. I pray for all of God's people 
every person under the sound, every person within the Spirit's reach, whoever is hearing this word right now, I pray that it would be well with their soul. I pray that you would stand in front of them and that you would block everything that would seek to attack the tranquility and the peace you want to put in their hearts. May somebody be able to reach out to you and get a fresh hold on divine omnipotence today. And may they be strengthened not just for what is coming, but Lord, even in a week that looms large with great potential for upheaval nationally and in government, may it be well with our souls. We look to you. We focus on you. We put our trust in you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Let God's people say together, amen. And amen. God bless you. Thank you for letting us bring the gospel of Jesus Christ into your home. And we look forward to coming back and giving you the next part of this message next week. God bless. We know that you have been blessed for listening to this message. Join us next week for another inspirational message. If you would like more information about the First SBA Church located in Huntsville, Alabama, or have a prayer request, please visit us at www.firstsbachurch.com. Our services are streamed live on Saturday mornings at 11.30 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. Central Time. And you're invited to watch these live programs on our website. Until next time, may God richly bless and keep you in His care.